for listening to CFRC 101.9 FM here in Kingston, and welcome to Screening in Kingston. And we're back. Happy New Year, listeners and Mike. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so where were we? What were we talking about just before the break? Just before, yeah. like, let's just pick up right where we left <laughs> off and dive into. I don't remember 2018. It's done and dusted. Exactly. It's. It, I've never had a year before where I've just eliminated it from my mind. It wasn't even that terrible of a year for, it just felt for me, long. but it was just. It did. It felt longer than it normally is. Um, so first, some. Just housekeeping before we get going. Last week, there was a bit of an error, and our January 1st episode did not play, and it also didn't go out as a podcast. So it is now out as a podcast. So if if you do listen to us over one of the podcast networks, it should, within like the next hour, become available. So that's the January 1st episode where we talk about the, our best and favorite movies of 2018 and we do like half the episode is just answering fan questions so i wanted to get that out there so people can download the podcast within the next couple hours so you this week will have two episodes to to listen to and guess what mike what some of my lists of 2018 movies which you don't think are 2018 movies appear on the screening rooms best of 2018 yes but that's because that's (laughs) sometimes the screening room gets movies a little bit later overlap yeah i i (laughs) <laughs> yes. I, I thought, <laughs> I actually thought that was a very interesting list. So the screening room, so people who don't know, if you follow them on social media, they sent out a list of like the top, I think it was like the top 10 attended or so. Or... Yeah, attended and box office, uh, you know, best box offices of the year. And the number one movie was Three Billboards, which was one of my favorite movies from 2017. Like it I was, never got around to seeing that oh, one. Oh, like it was my Oscar favorite for everything. And I won quite a bit of things, but uh, I... I really enjoyed that movie, and it was kind of cool to see it as the the best um, selling movie of, mm-hmm. of 2018. But yes, sometimes the screening room gets movies later. That's so it, what I based you know, my list on. I know, but that doesn't. <laughs> I know, but it, it's just easier to make it like what movies actually Fair came enough. out and were made for the yes. year, following the like awards. Yeah. You know, anyway, um, so we have quite a few things to get to uh, on today's episode, um, but I just wanted to make sure everyone knows you'll if you listen to us over podcasts, you have two episodes this week to see if you if you listen to us on CFRC um, and you missed uh, last week's episode because it, it didn't air. Um, you can we'll send it out on our social media. We'll make sure it's out there so you can go download um, from the CFRC podcast website. You can get that episode. It should be up within the next hour. So, cool. There you go. Okay, so we have some fan questions to get things started. We have two. Um, uh, they're both very long uh, and there's a lot of information to to go through in them so we, we stuck to the two this week we're also going to talk a little bit about the golden globes we're not going to spend too much time on no. that but we're going to recap them a little bit and then we've got some movies to review yeah can back you imagine to, i know back to reviewing <laughs> movies i haven't done that in like a month i'm rusty um so we will be talking about bohemian rhapsody and green book both movies that are now playing at the screening room yes so let's and, dive into uh, it speaking of golden globes buzz about them yes because they were both uh, pretty big winners so it's appropriate yeah so lots to lots to talk about there okay uh fan questions let's do this so the first one comes from tyler who is a graduate student at queens and this is over facebook 
So um, Tyler kind of begins by introducing himself, um, wants us to know that he has a deep love for film and the discourse around it. So you're in good company here. As such, I am very happy that Kingston now has a local film podcast to both shed some light on wonderful programming at the screening room and provide me with more things to digest regarding the movies I just absorbed. My favorite podcasts always make me equal parts happy and angry and you folks have managed to do both in such a short time (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if that's a good compliment about our personalities but i couldn't agree more about podcasts the best ones are the ones that make you happy and Mm -hmm. angry so i totally get that um i laugh at your wonderful chats and mannerisms and and then the uh and then rage as you casually put down some of my favorite movies (laughs) and throw around comments like first contact is the second best star trek film that one still stinks now i don't know tyler if that means you really love first contact and it's your favorite star trek film or if you don't like it because i put wrath of khan one first contact two like that's how i rank of all the star trek films so anyway let me know what you think about that i don't know i it's hard to tell if you're saying first contact is a terrible movie or if you really love it ouch that hurts yeah either way um then he continues to say seriously though i really enjoy the show so far and hope you are both having a grand holiday a thought something i enjoyed about uh about review shows is getting to know what the two hosts go in for for movies what things they like and don't like what uh, biases they have against certain genres etc well i'm getting to know the feel as we go taylor hates space disaster movies and mike doesn't (laughs) like one note actors it may be fun to do a list of the top 10 10 films that best showcase your particular taste in movies these wouldn't necessarily be your favorite movies but a list of movies uh, that is taken as a whole gives a snapshot into your cinematic mindset i tried doing this a while ago and it was quite difficult but found it a fun process to try to identify trends in my own viewing habits anyway just a thought keep up with the good work so that is from tyler on facebook um yes i will say I mean, I don't like one-note actors because, Tyler, I don't think that's acting. Yeah, you don't like bad actors. I don't like bad <laughs> actors. Like, to me, a one-note actor is a celebrity. It's just a, it's like someone who just became famous. Should we make a, a – is there a difference between a one-note actor and someone who's typecast, in your opinion? Well, yeah, because I think typecast, you, you can't break out of the way people perceive you, right. but you might have more depth. Like, I think Ryan Reynolds gets typecast, but I think there's more depth there. Got it. As an actor. Like, I, I think, like, I still think the jury's out, and I may have closer to an answer of this, though, from seeing movies of the holiday, of Steve Carell. Hmm. Like, I think Steve Carell could very well be a one-note actor. Did you see that Welcome to... No, I didn't see Welcome to Marwin, but I did see him in Vice, um, and in comparing all the movies he's been in this year. It was pretty the pretty I mean, even play, he was playing like Donald um I can't remember his last name. Runsfell, um, who's a who's an American politician. And still I was like, you're you're just kind you're of a like dad. you're kinda of like a dad, but also a little bit of brick from from Anchorman. You're like, a dumb Republican yeah, dad. Yeah, <laughs> like it just didn't <laughs> anyway, that's I digress. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, we we decided to take uh, the challenge here um, and come up with with the movies that we felt give people a sense of our cinematic scope. Um, but Mike gave me the wrong instructions. <laughs> I, I misread the question at first. It was last week, and I misread the question. And quickly, in my excitement to kind of get this done, I told Taylor it was picking 10 movies that best define your personality. So I also said, let's pick five because that's easier. Yeah. 
but uh yeah i misread the question so so i have two lists so yeah so but, so we're gonna quickly run through these and kind of talk about them um do you want to go first with your 10 sure so like movies that define my sensibilities let's do yeah let's do your like cinematic scope sensibilities okay. taste in movies list first um i would say suspiria the original or the remake hmm. Um, cause that talks about like the horror aspects and the type of horror I like. Yeah. You like that type. Yeah. Of, I love yeah, horror. Yeah. Um, I would say giant mm. with Elizabeth Taylor and James Dean. I really like movies that have a lot of, uh, scope mm. sometimes depending on the, the story. And I love seeing American scenery. So giant does all that. And the, those classic performances mm. love it. Bedazzled from the mm -hmm. 60s. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure the exact year it came out, but it's with two British comedians. Um, one of them's Cook. I forget the other one. But uh, they were a comedy duo in the 60s. Mm -hmm. And that is about uh, a man who sells his soul to the devil. And yeah. it's a comedy. Yeah. So it kind of is that zany, whimsical, uh, like British comedy that I like. I have 10 things I hate about you because I wouldn't be a 90s girl if I didn't have. <laughs> Again, with your list, it's like you kind of named four movies that I could understand why they fit together because they're all a little quirky and weird. But right. then you're like 10 things I hate about you, <laughs> which is like <laughs> not even remotely in the same category. I have layers. I'm a absolutely I'm an onion. Well, back to my you knew this would be on the list the crow <laughs> yeah, the crow <laughs> this wouldn't be a taylor list without the crow of course so, it's on every list you yeah <laughs> the crow is on my list the mummy uh with uh brennan fraser Frazier? the original mummy. Oh, so good yeah that first that movie is amazing it has one of the best back and forth sequences of dialogue like is, is completely underrated no one would ever study it but i laugh so hard every time it's a phenomenal movie it's just it's it, there's just the subtlety of it it makes yeah. it such a good movie Caught, like production value for the mm -hmm. time right like some of the special effects don't really hold up but like at the time like the production value was amazing mm -hmm. beautiful costumes anyways um it takes place in uh, the 1920s so good for me um, another horror movie for my uh, sensibilities would be the Conjuring series, mm. um, and Some that really that cinematic universe. Yeah. I'm really into those and films so have right you now. Have seen like all the Conjuring movies? I don't. I haven't sat down and like looked at the IMDb, mm. but like I've seen all the Annabelle movies. Yeah. Like I'm seeing. Which are really good. Uh, yeah. I've started. I saw the Nun when it came out. Um, I didn't get to see the Nun. I wanted to, but everyone was too afraid. People, it got a lot of slack, but me and my friends really enjoyed it. Mm. But, you know, you go in knowing what kind of yeah. movie it's going to yeah. be. If you've seen any of The Conjuring or Annabelle, like, you know what you're yeah. going into. Yeah, bad. Um, I have The Warriors. Okay. So, again, I, I like those 1980s kind of action movie-ish. Um, I have Adventures in Babysitting. Again, 1980s. A lot of my movies are formed by the movies my mom introduced me mm. to so adventures in babysitting is one of her favorite movies and we watched it on repeat so i would say that kind of that like 80s genre like yeah. christopher columbus um you know brad pack um yeah that kind of uh genre i would say that i'm gonna like it you you have a very, like your list has a very interesting mix of like 
whimsical but also strange and unique which is Thank very you. 80s though. yeah like that is like if you were to describe 80s movies like yes you have the you know you have the john hughes movies but then you have mm-hmm. some of these films that are like a little bit like sodenberg's getting going and like it's a, a little, little bit darker strange. Yeah. Yeah. like tim burton yeah. like early tim Definitely. burton would really just de- yes. define my sensibilities yeah. like zany dark yeah. whimsical that's what i like um and then kind of in that vein, but more modern, would be The Lobster. Yeah. Love that movie. I think I'm at 10. And then as a bonus, I would say any West Anderson. Yep. And again, you like your West Anderson. it's zany. It can be yeah. dark. That's gonna... But again, that fits like West Anderson fits so well with everything you're mm-hmm. describing, except for 10 things I hate <laughs> at you. Because it's like, <laughs> even The Crow, <laughs> because it's like, you've got this like zany depending upon honestly a change in lighting or your mood yep. western anderson is either like brilliant and zany and gives you a feeling of hope or it's kind of scary and strange mm-hmm. and unique and different and and you know you i i remember watching i think it was grand budapest hotel and there was moments in there where i felt like anxious for the characters well, which usually only feel like a drama it's like a it's about the rise of fascism yeah, i yeah. haven't read any um i haven't read any like thought pieces about grand budapest but it is a comment on yeah. fascism that no one really seems to <laughs> it's it just seems like people sometimes miss the whole point yeah. of of you know a a certain movie or film so so some people get it some people They're don't like, but oh, no one the talks about it wes anderson set pieces so yeah. beautiful yeah, yeah. <laughs> look at it like how whimsical he is with <laughs> his camera movements yeah yeah cool okay so that's my list that's a good i i think that everything there well, the 10 things I hate about you thing is good because you always throw a random thing yeah. in your list. So this is the most Taylor list I've ever heard. So Thank you. This, I'm glad it's consistent. I really enjoyed this experience because um, even though, yeah, it could be hard, I feel like I also understand my my preferences in film and like what mm-hmm. I look for so well that I maybe the hardest part was limiting it to 10, but... Yeah, and it's hard to differentiate between favorite and... And, like, just to describe yeah. your tastes. Yeah, and that, that, I think, was the hard part of it is, like, I there were a few movies that I was going to put on my list, but I was like, no, 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 that's one of your favorite movies. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really necessarily fit into what the question's asking. Um, okay, so my list um, is really towards one particular thing about my cinematic sort of scope of what I look for and... and if, if you were to say, like, this is overall what I look for, I went with, like, one theme. And that theme is movies that break the genre to be better than better than what they are. Like, definitive movies. Yeah, like, the, I picked movies that, in my opinion, do not get their due. Okay. And have broken out of the genre that they sort of sit in. So it's not just, oh, what a... What a fun superhero movie right it's if you look at it and you dissect it from anything you learn probably in film school i mean i haven't gotten to film school but i've taken some classes in it and certainly in acting which is one of the things i look for the most um it's some of the best performances and it never gets its due because of its genre so i okay. think it gets put in these so movies would you say that's your that's your film sensibility. Yeah, I would say my film sensibility is always I like when you break out of something. So when Got I go it. to see something, I I don't have the same fandom that everybody else mm-hmm. does. Like I will not allow my interest in a particular topic cloud the fact that the movie needs to be good. So I like when I go to see, you know, and we're going to talk about 
Bohemian Rhapsody later. I like when I go to see a music biopic where if I'm not a crazy Queen fanboy, I should be able to enjoy that movie. Got like it. that's what I look for. So I definitely think in terms of the 10 I picked, I really stuck to they break out and sometimes not in public opinion, but in my opinion, they break out of their genre. Got it. So the first one is Captain America Civil War, which I still think is one of the best superhero movies of all time. There are moments where I have literally, um, for friends, broken down acting moments and paused it and went ahead and paused it like on people's facial expressions <laughs> to show them how, like Nuance. especially yeah, especially Robert Downey Jr. Right. This is the best performance of Robert Downey Jr.'s career, in my opinion. And if you can forget it's a superhero movie for five minutes, you will enjoy the little things that mm -hmm. he does and the subtlety he brings to it. So Captain America Civil War is number one. Um, number two, I put a movie called Galaxy Quest, which I think I've brought up on the show it's before. I don't know. It's a spoof movie. It's a spoof on, on Star Trek. Um, and it talks about Star Trek fandom and a lot of things. So a lot, you can get a lot of my personality out of this movie, but also just the way it uses comedy and the way it uses the, even the idea of actors in the industry and what they have to go through. It's really interesting. Mm -hmm. And some, again, stellar performances like the late Alan Rickman's in it, Sigourney Weaver, um, Tim Allen, like it, very well put together cast, Sam Rockwell's in it and, and plays a hilarious character. And I really think that like that movie hits upon so many interesting notes and comments about fandom, but also about just the movie industry in general. Dead Poets Society, which is a movie that really, I think, is one of those like Oscar bait movies, right. quote unquote, that like is is deserving of it. It's one of those movies that is so well crafted and put together. It talks a lot about growing up and and coming of age, coming of age, and discovering poetry and discovering theater and having kind of those moments of, you know, how do you how do you go against what you were taught and the way your family is and what your family wants and what you want. And it's a, again, it's a very good movie for those things, but great Robin Williams, yeah. more drama as opposed to comedy, which proved he's a very good actor. Yeah. Uh, swing kids is my next one. Swing kids is, is a movie that again, I feel is underrated. It, it was a, I think it was a late mid, mid, mid to late nineties. I think is when it came out. Um, also has the same young actor, uh, Robert Sean Leonard, who's in Dead Poet Society, is also in Swing Kids, and a very young Christian Bale. Yeah, um, uh, and it's a, it's again, it's a very well put together movie, and it is also one of my favorites. But I really think it shows the things I look for: stellar performances, a well crafted story. Doesn't really hit you over the head with anything, but it's about the slow rise of Nazism in Germany just before the onset of World mm -hmm. War Two. So, I mean, there's a lot of really cool things in there. And dancing. And dancing. <laughs> Finder's Fee is my next movie, um, which is, if you want an example of fantastic acting from a bunch of really underappreciated actors, watch the movie Finder's Fee. It, is, it literally takes place in an apartment the entire time. It's during a poker game, and it's all about um, this group of friends who gets together um, to bet on lottery tickets when they don't know who won the lottery that night, and if they have a winning ticket, they bet... Um, the ticket in a game and they play a night of poker well a bunch of stuff happens that gets them sort of trapped and they can't leave the apartment for a certain reason and this poker game is still going on is it on. a comedy uh no it oh. is a thriller um i would say i would describe it as a thriller um but with some very good comedic actors in it like ryan reynolds is in okay. it matthew uh, lillard lillard 
um, is in it, um, and uh, James Earl Jones is in it as well. And it's a it's an amazing movie that never gets looked at. People don't talk about yet. It is one of those movies that I think really showcases amazing talented actors doing great things, but just never got buzz. Um, my next movie is Rudy. Uh, the the, the f- football? football movie, yes. <laughs> I can see the cover uh, in my head. Yeah, Rudy. Uh, you know, I think this movie is shows you what you can do with emotion, and and again, is that example of if you know nothing about football, you will cry at the end of this movie. Like if you don't even like football, you will cry at the end of this movie. Like it doesn't matter who you are, you will become emotionally attached and develop because they do a good job of developing this character. They don't assume, oh, you got to know who this is. It is based on a real person, but nobody knew who he was. So um, my next movies are kind of teamed together. Like I have a couple like team ups, like Star Trek First Contact and Star Trek Wrath of Gone. Yes, they are my favorite Star Trek movies. But again, Star Trek is a niche and it's a thing and it hasn't done what Star Wars has done where it breaks to a general larger population mm-hmm. who can enjoy it. But Star Trek First Contract and Star Trek Wrath of Khan are really good movies beyond their genre. And I think they don't get any due for it. They've got some of the best lines in it. They've got some of the best character develops in it. They've got twists and turns and they've got, you know, moments of sacrifice and and moments of friendship. And they just both do such a really good job of putting in the things that I really look for in, in a good movie and they never get looked at because of the name Star Trek in front of it. Right. People don't take it seriously. People don't take it seriously. Um, the, the first Superman movie is my number nine pick, which With is uh, Christopher Henry? Christopher Reeves. Oh, so like, like the, the actual, yes, yeah, the, okay. Like, Superman the movie. Right. Um, I think that for a, a superhero genre that was never really taken seriously, especially at the beginning, and hadn't really had a breakthrough this is this is a really powerful movie for that mm-hmm. it has some flaws and it's not even my favorite superman movie but i do think watching it gives you again a sense of of what i look for and, and what really drives me to to the movie theater is here is basically it's here's an outcast who has the ability to do good but isn't sure if he does good will he be accepted or not right that's a powerful story it doesn't matter if the thing that he can do is fly it's irrelevant it's it's got that interesting kind of touch to it my number 10 is all three back to the future movies i'll allow it the entire that is that is the example of how to do a trilogy well is the three uh back to the future because there's not a i don't think there's a weak one in there mm-hmm. even though the last one which is a little weirder there's not a weak movie in there they're all saying something about the future and they're all saying something about humanity and i think that uh that it really defines what i look for in there yeah I so think that's a, a mic list. Yeah, that's that's my list. Yeah. So this was, I mean, this was a lot of fun. So thank you, Tyler, for, mm-hmm. for giving us that. Um, okay. Moving on to the next question from David, who says, good morning, Mike and Taylor. Um, my daughter Katie and I live in the States and had, the delight, uh, had a delightful Christmas discovering your podcast. My daughter is a major movie fan and dreams of becoming an actor. She will now only use the term actor and not actress because of your show. (laughs) Okay. That's great. (laughs) Um, My daughter um, is short-statured, also known as dwarfed, 
dwarfism. I do not know what is appropriate to call it in Canada, so I apologize if I'm using a term in poor taste. This is something we embrace as a family, and as a single father, I wanted to say something about your show. I thought your conversation around people not being able to play villains because of facial scars was extremely powerful. You both have a very great view on life and and people, and it brought a smile to my daughter's face. We both can't agree more that it sounded like that policy was backwards and people were just trying to do the right thing without really thinking it through. Well, we I think we both agreed on that with that um, with that sentiment. And thank you for letting us know that. Yeah, I'm glad that other people agree with kind of that mm-hmm. conversation that we had. As I mentioned, my daughter, uh, Katie, has been short all her life. She wants to be an actor and has a few questions for both of you, but I know she is a little too shy to write in herself. She watches Game of Thrones and really looks up to Peter Dinklage. I'm not very internet savvy myself, and I feel I'm not able to find more films and TV shows featuring him. Do you have any suggestions for more with Peter Dinklage or anyone else you think an aspiring young actor should take in? We love every minute of your show and are looking forward to listening to the podcast every Tuesday night. Thank you, and I know Mike doesn't like long questions, so I'm sorry <laughs> for that, too. Well, I love them. Yeah, no, that was good. That, <laughs> thank you, David, for sending that in. Um, yeah, we've got tons of Peter Dinklage um, suggestions. Um, you know, I think he's an actor who's really starting to uh, be looked at as, as someone who has a huge amount of talent. I, mean, I think he's won four or five Emmys for wow. Game of Thrones. I think I, He deserves it. He's yeah. phenomenal. He's amazing in that show, and I think that... I, the first movie I'm going to recommend, because we'll, we'll go through all these movies, um, but I want to talk about one a little bit. So the first movie I'm going to recommend is X-Men Days of Future Past. So Peter Dinklage plays a character by the name of uh, Bolivar Trask, who runs this sort of industry. is basically one of the villains, main villains in, in the X-Men universe. Um, again, there's a scene at the beginning of this movie that I could pause and break down as to perfect acting in every way like i don't know what it is that peter dinklage has over everyone else but just has this ability by just tilting his head and having like a slight change in his voice to convey like a huge amount of anger and disgust towards a person it's it's incredible so x-men days of future past i if she loves game of thrones you're gonna love x-men so i would definitely recommend that one um the whole x-men series is great but peter dinklage is featured in that movie um we, t- we mentioned three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. He's in that and um, has a great role in, in that movie. Um, I do recommend it because I think, you know, it's it, it all all in all is a really great movie. But again, Peter Dinklage has a great performance in there as well. Um, so I definitely recommend that. Um, if you're looking for another TV show, he had seven or eight episodes on Nip Tuck. Which I think is, is that, a, I wouldn't say that's inappropriate for a thirteen-year-old. No, but maybe when maybe when you get a little older, Katie, you'll, you'll enjoy that. But he's in it. I mean, he's he does. You know, he, he's in that show for at least seven or eight episodes. Like he was a recurring character for a bit. So maybe when you get older, um, put put a pin in that one. Yeah, put a put a put a pin in that one until later. Um, he's lent his voice to a lot of like movies and games as well. So that's something to just kind of like keep in mind that he actually does a lot of uh, different things. Like I think he was in angry birds for sure um he was he voiced that um he was in a comedy that's not really good called pixels you could watch that i guess he was okay in it um but then also um the angriest man in brooklyn he's in that as well um also that movie's probably a little bit a little bit older but still you could give it a shot i mean if you're watching game of thrones you're 
dad's probably okay with him watching whatever um, i mean yeah we're not parental controls no Watch no you yeah, you want. yeah so definitely x-men days of future past three billboards outside of evan missouri um angriest man in brooklyn angry birds and then pixels is like okay but you know again if you just want to try to get a sense of everything that he does those are some of the movies he's in he's got a couple movies actually coming out in the next few years to look for um now that game of thrones is ending after this season he's starting to get uh, some roles so i would keep an eye on him for sure and you should know katie and david we got this information from imdb yes that's a good website to find like if you search an actor or an actress it'll give you every single on-screen credit so it's imdb.com it stands for internet movie database so definitely go check that even out even the least tech savvy can use that one. Oh, absolutely yeah <laughs> it's it's actually laid out very easy where mm -hmm. you can just type in the search bar the actor you want and it'll pop up yeah um we also wanted to bring up the movie willow yep the, we, both. we both think you would enjoy willow um that stars stars warwick davis um, and we were just discussing Val Kilmer. Yeah. Surprisingly. <laughs> Surprisingly, Val Kilmer is in, in one of his movie. chameleon roles. But Willow is is also probably a little bit more of a PG version of Game of Thrones. Yeah. But it's another like fantasy adventure. Um, and Warwick Davis has also had a very, very good career. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it has is short, short statured as well. So I think like, you know, Warwick Davis is another person that you can look at. And if you're really looking for, I want to see myself in these mm -hmm. actors, Warwick Davis is another one you can very look at. Talented. Had a really good career. Yeah. So thank you for, for those questions, David and Katie, and hope you continue to both um, listen to the show and send in any other questions you yeah. have if you want other suggestions or go check out the movies that we talk about every week. If you have a small theater near you, I don't know where you are in the States, but if you have one, go check them out. Um, so uh, if anyone else does want to contribute, just to remind you, you can email us at screeninginkingston at gmail.com anytime and we will read your email out on the show you can also find us on social media screening and ygk on instagram twitter and facebook or just use the screening and ygk hashtag and we will talk about um everything that you say yes okay let's quickly talk about the golden globes before we move on to our movie <laughs> completely review. forgot yeah well we should mention something yeah, about it's, it it's um, true i mean a couple things so two, two of the movies we're talking about today were big winners. Mm -hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody won Best Motion Picture Drama and Green Book won Best Motion Picture Musical or Comedy. Um, I certainly think that, you know, from the buzz I've heard, those two movies will probably have some Oscar buzz going yeah. into whenever those nominations uh, are set to come out. Um, some very interesting um, movie wins, actually, like Glenn Close won for The Wife. I was surprised. I, I'm not surprised she was nominated. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised she won. Considering who else was in the category and the buzz. <laughs> Tough category, yeah. Yeah. For, for really all of them, like, and it's interesting because the Golden Globe separates musical and comedy from drama. So you basically have 10 people up for best actor and best actress mm -hmm. where, and then the Academy Awards take that down to five. Yeah. So it's even tougher. <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely during Glenn Close's win and, um, Rami Malek's win. I was like, this is a tough category. Like, these mm -hmm. are some like stellar performances. So I wonder if it's. I don't. I haven't followed Glenn Close's career very closely, but I I read somewhere that this was kind of like a, an overdue. Like this is a you know a career win. Yeah, yeah like it was like they, they were giving sometimes. they were giving yeah. it to her like for the breadth of her career yeah. as opposed to that specific. 
Although I saw the wife and I thought she gave a fantastic performance. So I don't think she's undeserving. Mm -hmm. I just thought that it was a little bit surprising because of all the buzz about Lady Gaga. Well, here's the thing that I came out of the Golden Globes thinking. Unlike the past couple of years, I think the Oscars are more wide open than ever. So the Oscars, Oscar voters, they have been manipulated, not really manipulated, but they've been influenced, I'll say, by other awards and and who gets nominated there. Like, that's why their nominations come out so late. Usually you get Golden Globes and sometimes even SAG happens before you even get your nominations out. So um, I think because Glenn Close won here, I think that it's going to be a tighter race now for for the Oscars Fair. because yeah, you, like I've been hearing a lot of buzz that it's Lady Gaga's year; she's going to win it. But now with this and the speech she gave and all the buzz around her, I think that like it's a tighter race now. I think it's wide open. And also, um, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Olivia Coleman, who won for the favorite. Yep in the musical comedy genre is also now getting a lot of buzz. Like the favorite, mm-hmm. I'm very interested I to see. I can't wait. wait. I know it looks so good. Oh my gosh. I'm and same so director ex- from the lobster. Yes. That's yeah. why I'm so excited. And killing of a sacred deer. Yeah. Which was also a phenomenal movie. So I think Olivia Coleman, Glenn Close, Lady Gaga, like I think it's kind that's of the all race. three of them are in there. Um, so yeah, I, I, that's kind of what I came out of the golden globes thinking is like, you know, I, I agree that um, A Star is Born shouldn't have been nominated for as many things as it was, but it came away with almost nothing. Like, I think it won for song. Yeah, it won so, best song. So I think the playing field's a lot more even this year. Who won best director? I believe it was for Roma. Yes, you're right. I'm. Can I tell you, I'm glad Bradley Cooper didn't win. Well, he wasn't the best director of the year. Yeah, Alfonso Cuarón for Roma. Yeah. Well, he wasn't. The best director of 2018. No, he like not. he does. I'm sorry. He just doesn't. You can say what you want about that movie, and yes, there are good qualities to it. And again, I said stream it, not skip it. But anyway, I looked back. I did say good. stream it. I did not say skip it. Um, but he's not the best director of 2018. We'll save this because we are going to have a, yes. a Star Is Born gonna, yes, talk. Now yeah. that I've seen it, I saw it over the <laughs> oh, holiday. Yeah, I saw it over the holidays. What did you think of it? Just quickly. I don't think a lot of our viewers are going to like what I have to say about it. You didn't like it. I found the movie very hard to watch. Interesting. Because it's about an alcoholic who treats his wife very poorly. Yeah, yeah. And personally, in 2018, I don't want to have to watch a movie about an alcoholic treating his wife poorly. And, I mean, we'll get into this, but I think there's a lot to be said about how that movie even handled the topic personally but we can talk about this we should when we do the spoiler talk i think we should break it down into all these categories like break it down on content Mm -hmm. break it down on performance and then like separate the movie from those things itself because i feel like a lot of my problems with it are structural where if you remove my content concerns and some of my performance concerns i have better things to say about the movie as a whole yeah like yeah as like a like a the practical like you know nuts and bolts of filmmaking i thought the movie itself was good mm-hmm. um like especially the concert scenes yeah we'll go into this more Great cinematography, but, um, for sure i felt like content wise like story wise yeah. for me personally like i found it difficult to watch mm. interesting Great. So we're going to have a great discussion about this. I'm really looking forward to it. But for those people who like the movie out there, I'm going to speak one more time about this. Before we do this episode, we'll talk after. We'll probably talk off air about when we want to plan this. We will let people know in advance when it is. 
please write in and tell us what you think. Yeah, we'll read the the pro comments. Yeah, like if you love that movie, tell us, but just tell us why so we can read and talk about it mm-hmm. because that's what we want. We want discourse um, on on this show and we want people to feel like they can have their voice heard. And I think it's important to hear from people who liked it. And I feel like there wasn't enough discourse about A Star is Born. No, no, <laughs> there's never enough discourse about anything. Anyway, um, yeah, all, all in all, I you know, I don't, there was nothing that happened at the Golden Globes awards wise where I was like, this is ridiculous. This is out of left field. Um, there I don't was no Pikachu shock face. Meme. No, no, not really. I, I think I don't agree that Bohemian Rhapsody is the best drama of 2018. I do it's think a bold it, claim. it was good. I, spoiler alert. I liked it. <laughs> you know, it was a good movie. It's not. It, to me, if it wins, I could see it being nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars, and I wouldn't say anything about that. I don't know if I would necessarily nominate right. it, but it definitely wouldn't win for me. So Fair. that was the only thing where I was like, really, that one? But again, it didn't make me jump out of my seat mm-hmm. and yell and scream. Best so. actor went to Christian Bale for... Uh, Christian Bale and then Rami Malek, because yep. again, the separation. Right. Christian Bale won for comedy. comedy. Yeah. Yeah. And he thanked Satan. He thanked Satan. Yes, he did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, say what you will about his speech. He gave a great performance in Vice. So, yeah. Anyway, so that was anything else about the Golden Globes to wrap up? No, I'm not like I'm not like a huge award person, and the Golden Globes is not one that I follow. Mm. If I am going to follow, it'll be the Oscars. Yeah, we're going to talk about the Oscars honestly for seven or eight episodes (laughs) because I love the Oscars. Cool. So, uh, some movie reviews. Some movie reviews. Okay. So we, we saw some movies. Um, do you want to start with Green Book? Yeah. So I saw Green Book, um, I guess on Friday and, um, I went to like the four o'clock show mm-hmm. theater was packed. Um, I thought it was a good movie. <laughs> My best friend, Nicole, we were talking on the phone before we, I went to the movie and she said, just so you know, Ted Stavakowski, that's her dad. She said, it's Ted Stavakowski's favorite movie of the year, which was all I needed to know <laughs> about the movie. Ted is in his um, early 60s, okay. is kind of, you know, considers himself a little bit more liberal in his leanings okay. um, <laughs> and lives in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So um, to me, the movie was definitely packaged um, for easy consumption by like left leaning older people oh okay that's what i think um i think if people are interested in race relations that are more closer to our age they'll find the movie not nuanced enough and they might find it um a nice story but not necessarily like packing the punch they want oh i see in their critical discourse and now you think that has more to do with the way the film was put together and the way that that you know, the discourse that's happening there more so than playing to the time period in which it was in. Yeah, I think, like, the movie felt to me like a, uh, a Spielberg movie from the 90s. Oh, okay, okay. So, like, for a, for a certain segment of people, that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's it's the cinematography is beautiful. It has, like, an, uh, an ongoing kind of classical score, which I took huge offense with. I hated the score. But for some people, that would be, like, a good... <laughs> they might like the score. Yeah. I yeah. think, oh, my goodness, he's, like, a, a jazz musician. Why are they playing this, like, Steven Spielberg 90s? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> why, did, why were they not using music from the 60s? Um, I thought the movie 
my favorite thing about the movie was the lighting. The movie takes place in the 60s, and anyone who studies the 60s know that knows that it's a period dominated by color in their advertising, in their clothing, um, in building design. So I thought uh, the lighting of the film was very good, um, capturing kind of the color and the feel of the 60s. But um, at no time does it mention really the civil rights movement. This movie takes place in 62, and this is like... The civil rights movie is uh, the civil rights movement is hot at this time. Sixty four was when the civil rights uh, 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 passage was enacted. The Civil Rights Act was passed. Mm -hmm. So this is literally two years before that. Martin Luther King visits Birmingham in sixty three. Like this is huge. Like we're talking about like this is a turning point in American history. And they're like, oh, you might get beat up down south. <laughs> That's like. <laughs> the height of their their uh, civil rights uh, engagement which is a little bland to what really could they could have gone into i mean they didn't need to be sensational like they didn't need to show like children being no, hosed down by it's, a, it's an isolating story between yeah. these two men in this trip they take yeah. so it makes sense but you're saying that they any opportunity they had to go a little further they didn't it's definitely it. like a hollywood treatment right. of race relations no, yeah. it feels um especially given the current political climate like it feels like a like a movie from the 90s like there's no like cr like it just mm. to me it was not nuanced enough it didn't really have anything to say it's like oh blacks and whites can be friends that's like the moral of mm -hmm. the story mm -hmm. <laughs> and um as an aside um there's a lot of controversy now surrounding the film i heard about the controversy yeah um the family the surviving family members of the musician of dr shirley says that the movie um quote is a symph symphony of lies yeah i, it, I saw that yeah. so that's another thing the film production itself like the writing and the directing really didn't take into account maybe historical facts mm -hmm. if that party is to believe mm -hmm. overall i would say um see it with a disclaimer i think for certain yeah. age groups yeah see it but like also understand i mean there might be some inaccuracies it might not go where you want it to but you know you it's has an enjoyable yeah it was it was it. you know it was funny it was charming everyone who left the theater said how much they enjoyed it yeah. how they wanted to see it again yeah. um I just, and maybe I'm just being like, oh, left-leaning social discourse. Like, maybe I'm no, being I, too... I mean, I did see it. Okay. I'm just not talking because I'm giving you a chance to speak because <laughs> I'm going to be yabbering about Bohemian Rhapsody in a minute. I did see it. I saw it yesterday. I kind of agree with what you're saying. Right. For me, the two performances elevated the movie, which yeah, has been a common theme. Don't get me theme. wrong. Yeah. Like, the acting was yeah. phenomenal. A common theme this year for me with movies is the movie's so-so, but because of the performances, I feel a lot better about Should it. Should we give it a break? Should, don't, aren't we giving movies too much of a break, though, if the acting is... Yeah, sometimes. Like, again, I think it it all depends upon the content, and yeah. it depends upon how, how far you take it. Like, that's the thing. Like, anyone who does a lick of research would would be able to look at green book as not i mean really any movie is not like a, an it's extremely not a documentary it's yeah. not a documentary it's not about a documentary. the civil rights movement but the problem is is there are too many people out there who take it verbatim yep which can be difficult i yeah i i kind of agree with everything you said i had a few less issues with the movie that you did but i'm kind of along the same vein mm -hmm. as i'm i would give it a see it but with sort of an asterisk yeah. of like I would totally understand if you don't like this movie and yeah. it's not for you. And it's just not the type of movie you want to see now, like the mm -hmm. nowadays. Um, but I, I still, I still really did enjoy 
the movie and and I do think the performances are a little stronger than the storytelling yeah. but yeah that's yeah. pretty cool fair cool cool so we're both saying see it but no Asterix. that maybe <laughs> yeah <laughs> it might not be everything you maybe want you it don't to be like it. yeah <laughs> cool okay um so that's green book playing at the screening room um and we'll probably be playing for quite a while oh yeah yeah I don't think it's going anywhere um I had a similar um viewing experience to a packed theater to go see bohemian rhapsody mm-hmm. anyone who says that live theater like oh it's not live theater going to see movies is like going going away because of netflix you're wrong anyone yeah. who's ever said it to you incorrect just every go to the screening gone, room yeah. on an afternoon oh my every gosh. movie i went to over the break was packed i couldn't get like i tried to see vice several times and i eventually did see it but i couldn't yeah. because of sold out sold out sold out sold out so so you know i think people just need to realize that whoever's saying that is wrong probably works for netflix and <laughs> yeah. is trying to get like money out of it uh, i think both can survive like, who, that's fine. who stands to profit from saying that movies are dying no well netflix i guess but not really um okay so bohemian rhapsody gonna give a quick review here um i really enjoyed the movie um had some problems with it i'm not a queen fan um, but again, what I feel like this movie did that some movies fail to do is they, they made it a point to really make you get to know the character as much as possible. Right. Like it's a biopic. It's a biopic. Um, again, there's some controversy around it as well. Is for it its accurate? And whatever. <laughs> I think you can give a movies a little bit of a pass because they're not, they're not documentaries. Some things are done for dramatic effect and i don't disagree with that being done for dramatic effect because frankly i know you some people think their lives are amazing your life is boring Mm -hmm. like that like that's why we do we go to movies and that's why we we read books is like your life isn't that interesting like it's interesting but like not you know to a certain point so i go to the theater to be thrilled and entertained and i was by bohemian rhapsody i thought it was um it really surprised me i was ready to not like it just a quick Pause. The one issue I have with, I know that movies aren't documentaries, but they do have this power to tell stories. Totally. And when a story, when the story is representing a real person and that person has been misrepresented, especially because Freddie Mercury represented the gay community mm-hmm. and Dr. Shirley mm-hmm. represented an African-American community. Mm-hmm. They're telling not only that person's story, but the story for the larger community. Totally. And when you take more like artistic liberties at the sake of telling their story accurately that's where i take offense yeah and i think it all depends upon what the changes are and why yeah. so so for example um the one one change that was was marked was he uh was diagnosed with aids after the live aid performance okay which is the sort of climax of the movie is you get mm-hmm. the live aid and he performs so apparently this again this is what i read and like because I wasn't You're a, not a historian, and I'm not a historian. Queen. I don't even know if that's true, but that's what I heard is right. people say he didn't know till after. It affects his character, the movie, and everything in no way to change that. Because what it does for an audience standpoint is it elevates that performance mm-hmm. and it elevates the emotional moment of the film. But it doesn't change anything. So, sorry, in the film, he's diagnosed he gets with it AIDS. Before. Okay. He di- he's diagnosed with AIDS before the live performance. He tells his band they have an emotional moment and then the thing happens. Right. I'm not. Anything I'm saying is kind of spoiling Queen, but the movie and like, but like whatever. Like, you should know. It's, Most Queen's fans will don't know that Freddie Mercury had AIDS. Fre- That's... And, and also, Fre- yeah, Freddie Mercury makes it to the end of the movie and performs. There you go. Like, there's your <laughs> spoiler alert. Like, you know this. Look it up. Um, but it changes it in no way. There's right. no there's no major character 
aspect to him that is so crucial that he had to find out later. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually adds to the movie, but doesn't right. take away from the person. So those types of things I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I'm not okay with fundamentally changing the persona of an individual for the sake of drama and entertainment. Yeah. I think you gotta, if the person isn't interesting enough, then you shouldn't be doing a movie on mm-hmm. them, frankly. Do a documentary. Yeah. They're more powerful to tell those stories and they're done in an interesting way. It doesn't matter who the subject is. So, yeah, I agree with you on that for sure. Um, I just think a lot of the backlash coming out of Bohemian Rhapsody, I don't 100% Maybe get. Maybe it's like nitpicky. Yeah, it's a little nitpicky, and I don't quite... I didn't see it. As, as someone who went right. to the theater and experienced it, I didn't experience things in those ways. But again, mm-hmm. everyone has their biases, and everyone has their own reasons for feeling and thinking something, and it's not wrong. It's just how far can you go with that, and what can we do to you know, uh, try to accommodate everyone, but you can't accommodate everybody. So all in all, if you're looking for a a fun movie, that's uh, music. If you love music, if you love Queen, you're going to love this movie. If you don't, it's still a really good movie. It tells a story in a strong way. It develops a character. Most of my problems with it were they skipped over the things I wanted to know. They skipped, they did time jumps in this movie that would have explained and developed his character a little bit better. But they wanted to get to how did they make the songs and how did they develop this, which is fine. It's a music thing, so it makes sense. Um, but again, I enjoyed the movie. I thought the performance was really good. Again, the performance for me is better than the movie. The do movie's you, so-so. The performance is amazing. Do you think he deserves Best Actor? I think he deserves to be nominated. I don't know about a win because okay. I would have given it to, um, what's his name, John David Washington for Black Klansman, um, Denzel Washington's son, who I think an amazing performance in that movie and he had to do more he did um i think that i wouldn't i would give him a nomination because i do think the performance was stellar but i don't know if he necessarily should win he could win still best actor at the oscars but um i don't know if again i don't know if he should win or not not to take away from i do think his performance is at the heart of this movie i think Mm -hmm. rami malek's performance as freddie mercury is what makes this movie as good as it is and you take that out of it and the movie is very so-so with a biopic though you better have a strong lead. It, well, no, it, <laughs> it was one of the better music biopics i've seen great a lot of them come off as very plain and very flat mm-hmm. and a lot of the problems i had honestly with a star is born were fixed by this movie like this movie didn't mm-hmm. do those things right. that i had a problem with so again it was you know it comes down to people's taste and a lot of movies and everything you do is always going to have controversy somewhere but i think if you're looking for a really fun time a good movie i would say see it for bohemian rhapsody i don't think you'll be disappointed um and yeah keep if you have problems with it keep talking about it like let's have discussions over what are the issues in the movie so cool cool okay now we're uh moving on to the return of not a great plan if this works fingers crossed It's time for everyone's favorite segment, beloved by every single listener, Not A Great Plan. Let's do a head count here. Your brother, the demigod, a super soldier, living legend who kind of lives up to the legend, a man with breathtaking anger management issues, a couple of master assassins, and you, big fella, you've managed to piss off every single one of them. That was the plan. Not A Great Plan. 
That's right, it's not a great plan, where we take a look at headlines and current movie news and see what Tony Stark thinks of them. Here's our first headline. The trailer for Mads Mikkelsen's Polar is about as John Wick as it gets. Not a great plan. I love Mads Mikkelsen, so... (laughs) I love John Wick. (laughs) So I did a little... uh, The article does state... I'm, well, the premise of the movie is that Mads Mikkelsen, uh, the Black Kaiser, is a assassin and he wants to retire. But obviously, employers think he is a liability. So the movie is about them trying to kill him. That sounds exactly like <laughs> So <laughs> the movie is based on a webcomic, which actually came out prior to John Wick. So it's not actually plagiarism or stealing. But the question is, do we need... <laughs> it's not actually plagiarism. <laughs> yeah, it's not, technically. So do we need... Um, like another John Wick-esque movie. I think for fans of the genre, why not? Yeah, I guess. You know, it's going to be a net. It's a Netflix movie, so I think it's January 23rd it's going to be out. It won't be in theaters. It's straight to Netflix. Um, Mickelson is a, a great actor. Um, if it's straight to Netflix, it makes me feel a little bit better to that because I feel like that's where things Long. Like, I feel like Netflix is the place for movies that can't survive in the theaters. So here's just a bunch of things on Netflix, and you find those gems every once in yeah, a while. Yeah, it's like a Saturday afternoon, yeah. and you're like, whatever. Yeah. I think okay. I think John Wick people will probably watch it because it's that certain type of action movie. I agree. I think there's a there's a people a group of people out there who really like that type of movie, and they're gonna find it with this. And so. Black Kaiser, what a great name for an assassin. Great name. Okay, <laughs> next one. Weekend box office. Escape room can't keep audiences from flocking to Aquaman. Not a great plan. Escape room looks so bad. <laughs> I don't even. It's a horror movie. I That's all I know. Aquaman yet either, but uh, really, I'm, not yet. I thought I'm, you would see it over I the know, holidays. I know. I tried, but I just couldn't do it. Aquaman is now the highest-grossing DC cinematic universe. I've or heard whatever. like mixed to good things about it. Like I've heard some people say it's. Not as good as Wonder Woman, but it's it's not as bad as some of the other DC movies. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm going to see it soon. But uh, yeah, Escape Room looks uh, just awful. So I mean, <laughs> it's probably a good thing that Aquaman <laughs> is that people are beating. like literally going like oh I'm going to see Escape Room. Oh no, I'm going to go to Aquaman. <laughs> I'm going to go see Aquaman. <laughs> I'd rather instead. I'd rather see Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Okay, next headline. Mahershala Ali responds to the Shirley family's claim that Green Book is a symphony of lies. Not a great plan. See, to me, this is not a great plan because just don't get involved. Like, why would you? You're an actor. You were asked to play a role. You played it. Like, what did he do? Like, do you have what he said? So in November, he called. um, He called one of the the family members. I think it was like a maybe a brother or like a. Uh, nephew anyways he called him personally and said i'm so sorry if i've offended you okay um i didn't this is what i think is horrible i didn't know anyone was alive to collaborate with (laughs) which to me is like (laughs) hold on i gotta give him a (laughs) not a great plan (laughs) (laughs) when the script was written the script was written by the son of the driver in the movie so like you knew that one person was alive. Well, yeah, you knew the, you didn't at think, least the son of yeah, the, uh, Viggo Mortensen's yeah, character was alive. You didn't think to look into the <laughs> other characters. So then he said more comments, I think, at the Golden Globe, essentially being like, um, I have, in every job I do, what I need to do is, 
like do my job and then take responsibility for mm. it essentially and was again i don't i didn't quite understand the quote i think saying like he acknowledges that he made people uncomfortable yeah. and he's sorry and, no and like good on him for for saying that i just think like i don't know you gotta let producers and directors and pr people handle things sometimes and like it's definitely you're getting yourself into a real mess when you're saying to the you know the son of the person like i didn't know you were alive like that's i just that's, it was just oh, I, I don't know it's like it's, so it's hard awkward. because he is winning awards for that role yeah and the family is taking like such offense with the role do you so, think like, he has to do something do you think it will affect him getting more award like do you think no. like no, no you don't think because so. hollywood doesn't no. care what sometimes sometimes they care when it's going to make them look like liberal that's happy, true that's true yeah like a, we're a big happy inclusive family I mean, if people make enough noise it could affect it i don't think I people are it. making enough noise no i think yeah. i think it's the family and everyone yeah. else is like green buck is so fun anyways okay. so we probably only have time to talk about one more but do you want to like rapid fire through i know you have a bunch here why don't you rapid fire through and yeah, there were a few, and let's stop. Point at one to the one that you want that me I to talk about. Ah, <laughs> uh, they're all so good. Yeah, you it was what? a good. You know news what? Week. Um, let's just go for these two because they're somewhat topical, and let's save the others for next week because okay. I want to talk about them. So let's just run through those two. Okay. Emma Stone shouted, "I'm sorry!" after Aloha joke during Golden Globes monologue. Not a great plan. I I heard her do it when it happened live, and I was like, "Did she just yell? I'm sorry." Hilarious. Did you know it was Laughed. her? Because they oh, didn't yeah. they didn't like pan to her. No, but I can tell her voice. <laughs> I knew I knew it was her, and that's hilarious. I think it's in sorry. bad taste. I think it's it's. <laughs> I know that's why it's so. Funny. Time has passed, and if she really w was sorry, she wouldn't have taken the role. Yeah. Also, it's like it was a horrible. If from it, what I understand, it was a horrible. Oh movie. no! It was a terrible movie. It was a terrible decision. It was one of the worst examples of of whitewashing in an era in which it shouldn't have happened. And at the time, I think the excuse like there's someone in her family who has some sort of Asian descent. Apparently, like that's. Kind of, but even but even like she's publicly apologized for this. Why would you yell it again at the? It was just some bad taste. Covered, trying to cover her butt. Yeah. She was in Aloha. She was paying like a Vietnamese Hawaiian. Yeah, and like it's, no way is Emma Stone Vietnamese Hawaiian. And it's it's one of those things where you've already addressed this. Like it's in bad taste to just like someone made a joke about it. Just take your licks. Yep, just smile. Okay, she made a joke. Fine, move on. Yeah, I anyway, don't know. Here we are. <laughs> Kevin Hart offers heartfelt plea for people to grow past holding him accountable for the things he used to say. Not a great plan. Okay, so this is what I want to quickly say about Kevin Hart, because I've talked to a lot of people about this. M the biggest problem I have with this is when things... Okay, well, I have two problems. One, the per whoever brought this up now... Like, is found the tweet? Found the tweet, quote-unquote. It's been around for years. You did this at a time where you know you could hurt him. So you're scum, first of all. You don't actually care about the issue. You're scum. Second of all... Kevin Hart should have apologized instantaneously. That yeah, was his there's mistake. A lot, there's a lot he going is, on. He has handled this so poorly from the beginning. He still hasn't apologized. No, he still has Okay, so I was having this debate with someone. Well, not a debate. We were both in agreement. We don't think he's apologized once. Like, I, don't, I haven't seen him apologize, right? Like, he hasn't... Listeners, for those who don't know, Kevin Hart made a homophobic tweet. Actually, several homophobic tweets many years ago oh, like a, a whole string of them. like it's more or less known that he may or may not be homophobic like that's like something that's said about kevin hart so anyways he was supposed to host the oscars mm -hmm. this tweet got dragged up from the past mm -hmm. and now the oscars are saying you can't host anymore because of these homophobic and he quit tweets. he resigned 
he hasn't apologized for it. and it, his whole point is well people can grow and change i 100 percent agree yeah with you. he doesn't apologize because that's what was said in the past and he's a different person now. i can agree that he that people can grow and change i would accept that he's a different person you should still apologize he hasn't he apologized hasn't. he refuses Once. to he refuses to apologize he hasn't apologized he went on ellen still didn't apologize he's just said well i've grown and changed well how can we believe say you sorry we, yeah say sorry and like show us stop saying it so weird yeah, it's just so i totally weird. agree with you on that like it's just he's handled this so poorly um we are completely out of time we're right at four o'clock we have so much to talk about with this again anyone out there who knows about the kevin hart thing bring in your yeah, thoughts we want to hear next week we were going to go through some more headlines but there was a few that are really important and i didn't i want to give them their due including this conversation with uh about kevin hart and i want to talk about it more so next week we'll talk about that and talk about uh some different movies we see at the screening room bye